Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionise the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. Today, I've got Nikki Young of Mummy Mojo on the Scale Her Up podcast. Welcome, Nikki. Uh, Great to have you here. Yeah, tell us about your business. Tell us what you do at Mummy Mojo. Sure, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Brenda, first of all. So Mummy Mojo was basically born when um, I had my son. So my son is four years old, nearly five. And it came about effectively when I and all of my NCT friends were looking to go back to work after maternity leave. And a little bit of background about me. So I'm a coach. That's effectively what my my business is, a coaching business. But I've also got almost 20 years experience in human resources within various businesses. So I obviously realized when all my friends were going back to work that I knew a lot about maternity leave, flexible working, keep in touch days, all of these things that my friends didn't know. And, you know, my friends are very intelligent people. And it just dawned on me that it just meant that because they didn't know it, they didn't understand it, there just wasn't enough kind of digestible information out there. And that also, you know, even my most confident of friends had lost their professional confidence when they were due to return. And I think, you know, for all the mums out there, we can all probably relate to that in some way, shape or form. And it just dawned on me, I was like, this isn't right, this has got to change. And as somebody who works in HR and is a coach, I can do something about that. So I worked in consulting for the next couple of years as I sort of put the pieces together to start building my business. And I launched about 18 months ago. And so it's a coaching business where I work with both mums and organisations to help mums return from maternity leave with more confidence and through coaching and also HR support. So that's what I do. Fantastic. And such a, I mean, it's a while since I went back to work after having my kids. I didn't know because it's the first time I'd done it. And lots of employers don't know because it's the first time that they've had somebody having maternity leave and coming back. So, yeah. So are you finding you've got a, a good market there then? Yeah, it's going it's, well. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting exploring the different ways to, to sort of do it, if you like. So, I mean, there's a, there's a massive need. And, you know, so many people tell me, oh, we need this. You know, we really need this. And, I've, you know, I'm lucky to have been able to help a lot of clients. Um, and I'm also moving into more of the corporate market where I'm or providing coaching programs for them as an organisation so that they have got something consistent in place rather than just sort of, you know, the mums randomly finding me. Um, actually, organisations are looking to put things in place where they've got a full programme for anybody who in their organisation who goes on maternity leave. So that's starting to starting to build now. I mean, I'm, I'm in early days, you know, it's, it's only 18 months old. But there's, I think there's more and more understanding that that's necessary. And I think in all honesty, with the um, experiences throughout the pandemic of 
mums in general, working mums, taking the brunt of the unpaid, the extra unpaid work that needs to be done. Um, also, you know, people returning to work, but remotely. I mean, people have been talking about, you know, returning from their dining table. I think there's even more need for that. And um, that's going to be interesting to see where that goes as well. So, so yes, lots of different directions of it potentially going in. So that's exciting. Yeah. Let's say for, for my listeners are um, are business owners and uh, going through the, the business growth journey. Yeah. What advice do you have for the, the business owner with an employee then who's who's coming back from from maternity leave? Oh, absolutely. So I think the, the basic thing is just understanding. So I've, I've actually done some webinars for business owners to just talk about, you know, what the challenges are, because I think it's all very easy to sort of I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult when employees are on maternity leave and when they're coming back. You know, it's a big change for the business. It's a big change for everybody. So having worked in HR, I I get that side of it as well as the mum side of it. So I think the biggest thing is just understanding and communication, really, because everybody is different. Everybody deals with maternity leave very differently. Everybody feels differently about returning from maternity leave. Some can't wait. Some, you know, really don't want to leave their children. Some, you know, are just really looking forward to the adult conversation after all that time. There's all sorts of different approaches and emotions attached to it. So I think it's really sort of not assuming, having the conversation nice and early and, and giving, giving them the options and just sort of talking through and going, hey, you know, just let me know when you'd like to talk about your return so that you feel comfortable with it. And then you've opened the door for them but you're not putting any pressure on them so they can enjoy their maternity leave. But equally, they feel that when they're ready to prepare for their return, the door is open. I think that would be my immediate thing. Loads and loads of other things as well from, you know, accommodating, keeping touch days and all of those kind of things. Just making sure that they feel included, I think, because it's difficult enough to return. So to feel included, I think, makes a massive difference. Quite a few tips there. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. And the business owner is thinking along the, the lines that the work needs to be done. Yeah. And the employee has got a whole load of emotions going on there around, you know, so tips to handle coming at it from those two different angles. Yeah, I mean, it is it is obviously that that challenge because it, it, it for, for small businesses, that is really tough. You know, for large businesses, obviously, they usually have more of a budget to be able to provide cover or they've got a bigger team that mm. can cover the roles, etc. So that I get that it's absolutely tricky. And I think, again, it's about the honesty in the communication. What a lot of my clients say is that it's, it's successful, even if everything's not completely smooth, it's su- more successful for those clients of mine who are mums returning to a business where they're having open, honest conversations with their employers. So where it is like, I'm really nervous about this, that my childcare is, my childcare options are this. You know, there's all sorts of myriad of different challenges that, you know, mums face in, in coming back to the workplace. So I think it is just that open communication. And so therefore, from the business perspective of sort of obviously needing to get the work done, obviously, if you can provide maternity cover, then that would be probably ideal. And then it's just really having the conversations with them early enough so that you can all make plans. I think that's the key thing. No assumptions, because that's where things get really tricky and have the conversations. You know, somebody might want to return after nine months. They might not. Somebody might want to take some annual leave after they've finished their 12 month maternity leave. They might not. So it's, it's really don't make assumptions and just have open and honest conversations. And if you have that platform, 
I think my experience from my clients and the businesses that I work with is that that generally goes much more smoothly. Absolutely. And do you help with the legal side? You know, what are the obligations of the employer in terms of maternity leave and things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with my HR background, I absolutely can. And, you know, I still do HR consulting as well. So I can still do that side of things. And, and certainly where, I mean, you know, most of the large corporates that I work with obviously have their own HR departments who know as much about that as I do. But certainly for the smaller businesses, that's more tricky because they don't necessarily have dedicated HR departments. And I, I think one of the things that I discovered when I first started looking into this, Brenda, was that you know, the information is all out there, but even me as a fairly seasoned HR professional, having dealt with many, many, many mums going on maternity leave over the years, it's confusing. And I have to remind myself every time, you know, how many weeks is it before their their due date that they can start maternity leave? And how many weeks before do they have to tell us their dates? And, you know, so, so for small businesses who don't have dedicated HR teams, that's really tough. I can absolutely help with that. And it's it's really, I've, I've actually created a few resources, such as planners and pay planners that can help organisations to, to plan that out for their maternity leave staff, their maternity leavers, because it is confusing. It's really confusing. And, you know, I've sat there in some of my old roles when I've been in-house HR, and I've sat there with some of my colleagues and kind of gone, right, remind me. And, you know, you're counting back how many weeks it is from the due date and what's the expected week of childbirth and, you know, all of this jargon. It's really tough. So, yes, I'm very happy to help with that because I just think the more we can sort of help people, both organisations and mums, to understand what's there for them, then that's just going to be clearer for everybody and better for everybody, quite frankly. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, excellent. That's really good. So in terms of your journey then into entrepreneurship or mm. business ownership or self-employment whatever whatever you know we all of the above really term for <laughs> yes. it yes mine too although not at the point of returning for from maternity leave is the option that being your own boss gives you the flexibility to work around your children and everything so yeah tell me tell me how that is for you then yeah, so I mean, mixed, probably, I think it, it absolutely does give me the flexibility, you know, obviously, we're in extraordinary times at the moment. And, you know, my husband's also working from home and has been for almost a year, which, you know, wasn't the case before. So I used to, you know, the home was my office, and it was all my space. And now it isn't the three of us at home. But you know, the, the massive advantage to that is that I don't have anybody breathing down my neck to say, you've got to get this done, you've got to have this meeting at this time, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I can largely plan my own time obviously I have to fit around you know other people's availability but I can I can be very flexible with that and one of the reasons I wanted to do this was absolutely because I didn't want to feel that we had to put our son George into holiday club every single school holiday by the time he started school and there's no judgment at all people have different things I just didn't want to feel as though I had to I wanted to have the choice and put him into holiday club if that's what we decided he wanted and if he wanted it and so I would say that largely that has been working in that way I mean he started school in September which was obviously already six months into the the pandemic so you know everybody was working from home and it's all quite different but I think you know once we do get back to more normal and and he's back in school and having normal school holidays etc I definitely have that flexibility to be able to say well I'm going to take these weeks off 
you know, my husband can take some time off, but he doesn't have to. And, and I can do stuff in the evenings. I, I think there's something about it as well that I'm so passionate about it that a lot of the time it doesn't feel like work. So, you know, where I am doing stuff, you know, sometimes my husband, because he's studying at the moment, sometimes he comes downstairs from, from his studying in his office in our bedroom and you know he'll come down and go oh you're still working at 10 o'clock or whatever I'm like yeah I am but it doesn't feel like it and so I think there's something that when you when you are following your passion there's something that's very different if somebody had told me when I was in a job that I would be working those hours or working at that time of night you know I probably wouldn't be too chuffed about it but I really don't mind I don't see it as work a lot of the time. That's great. Uh, I talked to many people on the podcast here who have started their business out of something that they're passionate about. And it, yeah, it, it can give you a lot of drive yeah. that you often don't have in, in employment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, to be honest, I, I, what I would say is if you're thinking of starting a business, I think you kind of have to be passionate about it, really, because, you know, as I'm sure you know, and everybody knows who started their own business, it's tough and it, and it can feel lonely. You know, you don't have those people telling you what you need to do. So that's a that's an upside and it's a downside, because, you know, sometimes if things aren't working the way that you've, sort of, you've planned them to work, you haven't got that person to kind of go, oh, well, what about this? And what about that? You've got to figure it all out yourself. So I think I would say, you know, if it's not something that you're passionate about, I would probably think twice about it because it, it, it is tough. It makes it very worth it. And and like I say, I really don't mind if I'm doing stuff at weekends or in the evenings because I love it. So it doesn't feel like work. But if, if I wasn't so passionate about it, that would probably feel quite draining, I suppose. I get as much out of it as I put into it. So it doesn't, it kind of energises me doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That loneliness that you talk about, I think we all feel it. It is lonelier at the top of your own business than it is in, in employment. And I, I read an article that, you know, it's harder for for entrepreneurs than it is for CEOs because they have a, you know, they have a team and a board and things like that. So do you, do you have any tips for, for dealing with that loneliness? Yeah, I, I think the best thing for me, to be honest, has been joining different groups and academies and things like that for other people who do the same thing. So I don't know if you, you're aware of um, KBB, the Knowledge Broker Blueprint, which is um, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi program. And I happened to join up to that not long after I launched my business, actually. And through that, and through the group of that, which is like 30,000 entrepreneurs worldwide or something, I've just met other people and I've collaborated so much with them and they've helped me with things and they've given me advice. And it's like a, a global group of other entrepreneurs who are all doing a similar kind of thing. And that takes away a lot of the loneliness. They're not invested in my business specifically, but we all share, you know, we've, we've got that same kind of drive, that same kind of passion. As, as much as anything, it's about other people who understand the same journey because much as my husband is very supportive of what I do and he loves the fact that I'm doing it, he, he doesn't understand it because he hasn't done it. And he's, you know, worked in a corporate environment for his entire working life. So it's surrounding yourself with other people, I would say, that are on a similar kind of journey is hugely important. Absolutely. I'd, I'd agree. And following the people that are a bit ahead of you. Yes, absolutely. Um, but then giving back to the people that are just behind you as well. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I've got some business coaches as well, which I think is hugely helpful. And that I, I'm doing exactly that, learning from them who set up their businesses, you know, sort of four or five years before me. 
and and following in in their footsteps and and I've learned so much and that you know we were just having that conversation weren't we about you know sort of technology and and things like that I've learned so much over the last sort of 18 months two years that I could never have known without you know trying to you know setting off on this journey and trying to set up my own business and also sort of finding the the kindred spirits if you like who've who've been there before and and have got all the you know because there are some people who are much more you know some people are even from a tech background so they can help with the stuff that I just really don't get some people know about funnels and you know that's not natural to me and 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 all of these things and like you say giving back to those who are you know slightly behind you and and sharing your own tips and and advice and and helping out as well it's it's an amazing community I think it's there's a there's a lot out there and it's just if if it's not immediately obvious to you you know to your listeners if it's not immediately obvious then just search for it because there will be people out there Facebook or you know social media are great places to find others in the same boat shameless plug here for the scale her up Facebook group you know that, that that's why I've set that up so yeah fantastic yeah, was, and I, I love that and yeah. I think it's particularly for women in business as well I think it's it's fantastic to to surround yourself by other women because you know I think I think this is another thing Brenda from you know the the impact of the pandemic and how difficult it is I mean it's it, it's not a massive surprise but it's quite shocking still to see the statistics of how many women are leaving the workforce and back to really question about how how um you know flexible how much more flexible it can be to have your own business I think that's just going to be more and more and a massive massive chunk of, of the numbers of new entrepreneurs in the UK are women and so I think you know it's but it's it's a very different way of doing business I think than than the sort of the traditional way we learn and so I think you know where groups like yours where we have support for you know female entrepreneurs I think are absolutely vital so it's brilliant so you're talking about support who are your biggest supporters a lot of my family in all honesty mm-hmm. so a lot of my family it's it's interesting because I don't, I don't know if you've had the same experience but a lot of my biggest supporters don't necessarily massively understand what I do <laughs> so, so they, they, they support it because they know in principle it's a, it's a good idea and they know it's needed but they don't quite get it but they're you know massively moral supporters I would say and, and cheerleaders in terms of you know I suppose I've got different types of support so so other entrepreneurs, my coaches, they are my biggest supporters in terms of those who will help me with, it's not just the tech, it's the mindset as well of, of having to sort of push through because you've, you've got to be quite vulnerable, I think, as a, as a business owner, which I think is one of the things that CEOs don't necessarily have the same kind of draw on. And sometimes it's, it's not a technical thing that's stopping you from doing something. It's a mindset thing about putting yourself out there, about opening yourself up, about sharing your story. And so people supporting me from that perspective I've got in my business coaches and, and, and groups and things like that. So they're my biggest supporters as well. I'm glad you said business coaches. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, honestly, yeah. everybody, everybody. That I think just back to the loneliness thing, it's not just about the loneliness. It's about, like, I would easily have given up, easily have given up if it hadn't been for having business coaches. It's, I just think it's crucial. I really do. If there's one thing you're going to invest in, I would say that that would be it. You know, the tech you can kind of do fairly, fairly low level to, to begin with, obviously, depending on what your business is. But 
business coach, absolutely, 100%, get one if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I know where you can find some good ones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love it. So what have been the, the biggest challenges so far? I, I love the bit. I, I mean, I think I'd go back to the mindset thing because a lot of it is sort of having the confidence really to, to keep going with something that you're not necessarily immediately surrounded by people who, who get what you're doing. And so, you know, when people kind of go, oh, that's nice, but they sort of treat it like a bit of a hobby as opposed to, you know, a, a business that you want to create. And I think that can be quite challenging. And again, that's why I think you need to surround yourself by, you know, people who can cheer you on and, and, and lead you. So other entrepreneurs and business coaches. So I think that's been one of my biggest challenges. And then sometimes it's just knowing the way. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, there are lots of different avenues that I could potentially go down with my business. And I think sometimes it's about reminding yourself of focusing, just choose one thing to focus on to start with. And, you know, you could decide that in all sorts of different ways. You could decide it based on need. Um, you could decide it based on passion. You could decide it based on how quickly you could get it to market. Lots of different ways that you can decide on that. But I think it's, it, it's quite challenging to know which direction you should take and which direction you should go in I know where you're coming from there the shiny object syndrome oh I could do that oh that that's a good idea I could do that and it can be easy to get distracted from your your main direction by these kind of things yeah yeah absolutely and there's always new stuff coming up isn't there new tech and you know all sorts of different things that shiny object syndrome definitely is is a challenge as well (laughs) the the hobby part Mm. the the idea that people you know I think there might be a a misconception that a mum who stops a proper job and sets up her own business is just doing that as a sideline to keep her busy while she looks after the kids which is you know there's a unconscious bias maybe around a bit around bums or mums and absolutely I'd say so I think the perception is is often that it's like a, well it's often called isn't it a side hustle um mm-hmm. you know this is my side hustle and for some people that's what they want and I absolutely you know brilliant and and good for you um I, I think it's it's definitely different and I think I, one of the things that I've learned I the first Facebook group I created for my business I invited um my friends into it because technically that you know being new mums themselves a lot of them they were they were my clients I thought they were my market but actually, you know, as you get into it, you, you sort of and you, you start to really recognise who your ideal client is. You, you recognise, oh, actually, maybe it's not them because it's not quite the right scenario or it's not, you know, quite the right circumstances. And so that's not necessarily the best way to go about it. And, and also, I think it's a lot more difficult for our close friends to see us as that expert as opposed to a friend who's giving some advice. So I think that that can be quite interesting as well to 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 manage and navigate. So, yeah. And I think, you know, it's there's, there's definitely a challenge of being taken seriously. I think probably one advantage I have is that I have the corporate experience. And so, you know, over sort of 18, 19, 20 years, whatever it is, I've worked in HR. I've built up a lot of relationships with people who who know that I have that corporate background and I don't think that's necessarily the be all and end all but it's definitely helpful to get through the door so that can help too yeah give you that start on your reputation if exactly exactly and I'd say you know for any of your listeners just think about what other skills you have 
that you can apply to you know getting in a door whether you know I mean you, your listeners might not necessarily want to be going a corporate route they might be selling to you know uh, to consumers directly but I think it's just think of what skills you have because everything is transferable in some kind of way shape or form so so think about that and what you do have that you can you know sort of adjust and shift to get you in the door somewhere or who do you know that can get you in the door somewhere and and think about all of those kind of things has been really helpful for me very valuable piece of advice there yeah thank you nikki and and i know it's early days yet but how how are you building or scaling what you're doing so great question because scaling was something I hadn't thought about when I first started out. It was just like, just get it out there. I will build it and everybody will come, which I think is a mistake that a lot of us make when, when we first go into this, don't we? And it's, it just doesn't necessarily work like that. And so, you know, I was selling one-to-one coaching sessions and, and that's great. And I love doing those and I, I still do. But of course, that's not very easy to scale because I've only got so many hour sessions or hour and a half sessions that I can do in a week. And that won't give me flexibility, which is one of the reasons I wanted to go in it. So I think it's really important for people to think about is how you can scale. And so one of the things I created towards the end of last year is my Returnity Transformation Program. And so just just to clarify, Returnity is the word I use to talk about return from maternity because I feel it gives it much more gravitas than just returning from maternity leave. And it's a lot easier to say, quite frankly, than all those other words. So I created my Returnity Transformation Program, which is a group coaching program. And so that way I can have more impact on more people who come into the group program. And also, of course, they get to network and, and support each other. Um, We've been talking about support, haven't we? Yes. Exactly, yes. exactly. And so it's the support for, for our clients as much as it is for, for us as business owners as well. And so that's one way that I can reach more people. Now, I'm actually sort of slightly changing that because I've started working with somebody who's actually a mother and baby specialist. So we're going to be creating something which is as much about supporting the mums returning to work from the professional perspective and also looking at what's going on for their little one developmentally at the time at which they choose to go back which which will be really fascinating I'm very excited about that and so you know we're now looking she's also from a a corporate background as well and you know we're looking at how we can we can do that and scale that and probably go to to businesses to to create that so and I think you know selling to businesses is, is a great way to scale if you have something you can sell to businesses if you've got that kind of product or service because you know obviously if it just takes one business with lots of people to pick up your service or your product and then suddenly you've got you know x amount of customers selling through one business so so that can be a good way as well and that's probably the, that's the direction we're looking to go into to really scale and have more impact and I suppose also organizations that have groups of businesses. Yes, well. absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Great, great way to go about it. Yeah, yeah no, that's great. Great, great, great advice. Thank you. Yeah, we kind of touched on it at the beginning. One of my questions on my list is how are you making a difference to female entrepreneurs? And I guess you, you've got a service that's, that can help us go, yes. if, we're, if we're going through this challenge. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, one of the things, and, you know, I'm, I'm specific to mums, I guess, as opposed to, you know, just women as, as, as a whole. But I think one of the things that I've been discussing with, with my new, you know, business colleague who I'm going to be working with is just this, I don't know, it just feels for us that 
mums specifically and and to be honest to a large extent women as well even who aren't mums we often find ourselves apologizing for things don't we and you know it's like oh sorry that I've got to go and pick the kids up or sorry I've got to stay home because my child is ill there's and and this has been again and I've mentioned the pandemic a few times but this has been massively exaggerated at the moment where it is the mums that are picking up the brunt of the homeschooling and whatever and I am generalizing so there will be people out there for whom that's not true but it's you know the statistics bear that out and so you know I think it just massively shines a light on the culture that we have and you know I, I mean my sister said to me back in back in the summer she was furloughed and she said I feel like a 1950s housewife and you know it's I think it it is shining a light on that and for me it feels like it's a it's a crucial time to be looking at like what can we do to to change that to really shift that and so you know already I love supporting women mums I mean, I love supporting anybody, you know, I've done executive coaching and organisations for all sorts of people over the years. So I love helping people full stop. But for me, it feels like I can have most impact where I can I can support women. I can support mums, you know, mums who have their own businesses. I absolutely get it because I am one. And so, you know, where anybody wants some help or advice on, on that, you know, I can also I can also help them, too. And I think it's um, it's just really sort of trying to shift the culture, which is obviously a massive, <laughs> a massive job. But I think, you know, there's a lot of momentum for that at the moment. There's a lot of, like I say, just shining a light on it all at the moment. There's a lot of momentum with, oh, this isn't quite right, is it? Let's, you know, we need to we need to look at this as a as a country, as a nation. And, you know, I think there's a lot of momentum for that. And I, I just, you know, keep my ear to the ground as to how I can get involved in that. And then obviously on a day-to-day basis, I just love supporting mums with, you know, whether it's their confidence, whether it's how they can do things differently in business, whether it's how they can do things differently at work. I love providing that support and and helping people to shift their thinking through the coaching. And, you know, I just love it when I'm speaking to somebody and doing a Zoom coaching call with them. And you can just see the body language. I mean, obviously, I love doing it in person as well, but, you know, we'll see. Um, And and just seeing the body language shift when they realise, you know, I can do it. Or, you know, oh, it's actually really straightforward, but we've created all these blocks in Mm. our minds, which, you know, we do. And one of the things, I was actually on a a webinar the other evening for um, about female refereeing in rugby, and she's a fascinating environment to be in. And one of the things that came up is, um, you know, women often focusing on what they've done wrong as opposed to what they've done well. And actually, that's um, that's a, a human condition. So, you know, there was a psychologist, Rick Hansen, who said the brain is like Teflon for the positive and Velcro for the negative. So the positive thoughts come in and they slip straight off like Teflon. And the negative one flies in and... <laughs> We just cling on to it like Velcro, like the strongest, strongest Velcro. And, you know, there's a reason for that. Our brains are wired that way. It's our survival instinct. You know, our ancestors many, many, many years ago, you know, it wasn't important for them to register the flowers that they walked past. It was important for them to note the roar of the, you know, saber-toothed tiger or whatever it is that was coming to, that was the threat. And so there's a reason our brains are wired that way. We need to change that. So I think the first thing I'd say is where we find ourselves doing that, just know it's natural, it's normal, you're not alone, everybody does it. 
the other thing I would say is that once we're aware of that, we can then make the choice as to what we then focus on and, and go, oh, okay, that's what I'm doing. And we all do it. We all do it. But there's a reason and we have a choice. So, and, and I find that really empowering. And I think particularly for women where we do often apologize and we do often kind of go, oh, I didn't do that bit, did I? Or I should have said this or I should have done that. I think that's, that can be really powerful. So hopefully that makes a difference for, for somebody listening. No, that's brilliant. I've, I've written that down. The brain is like Teflon for the positive and Velcro for the negative. Who was, who, Rick who if, I, if I don't attribute it to you. I'll, oh no, don't attribute no. it to me. It's from Rick Hampton, <laughs> Rick Hampton, who's the psychologist. Thank you. You're very welcome. Love that. So yeah, you know, I've talked to you about the, why I'm doing this podcast, you know, yeah. I want to make a difference to the, the statistics there that only one in three entrepreneurs in the UK are female and that men are five times more likely to scale their business yeah. up what do you feel that we can do to bring about that revolution great question I think it's I think there's a massive opportunity at the moment as I alluded to you know I think more and more women are going to be leaving the traditional workplace because it just even less so now works for them than it did prior to the pandemic I think it's a huge opportunity to to support those women just like you are and I think it's really about ensuring that women know that they, they can be serious business owners. You know, it doesn't have to be a side hustle or a little hobby when they do it, just because, you know, that's how it's, that's how it's often viewed and perceived. And I think it's also having, being able to have the role models, Brenda. So, you know, just like you're doing and, and creating this environment, you know, the business coaches that I've got, two of them have female three are male but it's it, you know it's in a in a group and and I love the fact that I have female role models that I can look up to and kind of go oh okay yeah I don't have to do it in you know a male way whatever that may be but I, I think it is having those role models and I mean role models are so important I remember when I was at you know in a corporate setting working in financial services and thinking what well, who's the female role models that that I would look to be I thought, well, I, I can't see them, actually. I mean, there were many senior women in the workplace I, I worked in financial services. But, you know, I was about to start a family. It seemed to me that the role models I had were either they didn't have children at all, the, the female role models, or they did and they were, you know, grown up, or they had younger children, but they sort of swapped role, you know, the traditional gender roles, if you like, and the husband was at home with the children. I was like, well, that, none of those work for me. And, you know, obviously I've ended up setting up my own business anyway. But I think having role models for, for women to know that they can do it and that they, they can choose to be themselves as well, I think, is the key thing. It's, you know, when you are a business owner, people buy from you. Yes, you need a product or a service, but it's you that people will buy. You can have exactly the same product or service as somebody else. And there are people out there that will want to buy from you personally because of who you are. So I think the big thing is getting the message out there that not only we can do it, there are role models out there, but also being you is your biggest selling point. So don't do it by pretending to be somebody else. Oh, I love it. Yes. Be you. Be you. Do you. <laughs> Um, that's fantastic. I always finish with, well, I've learned to always finish with the same question. Is there anything that I should have asked you, Nikki, that I haven't asked? Oh, that's a good question. Um, anything that you should have asked me? I don't think so, Brenda. I think you've done a great job <laughs> those questions. 
no, uh, no, I think I've got across everything that I had sort of I had in my head. So you've you've drawn that out of me. I think it's no, I don't think I don't think there is anything. I can't think of anything. No, it's, thank you. It's been great to talk to you. It's, you've had some the, yeah, some really good insights, some really good advice to people. It's, it's lovely to talk to someone who's on the same wavelength as me you know looking out to help people and do all we can to make a difference in in society so yeah it's great to hear about your business and you know it's definitely going to go from strength to strength you've got a very valuable niche there that thank you Brenda thank you for having me and also thank you for what you're doing like I say you know I just think it's so important that all these women who are going to be asking questions now that you know I mean I think that's increasing anyway but all these women who are asking more questions now about how does this serve me at the moment what's going on they're going to need you and your group and your service and your coaching to to you know show them that there is a way and and how they can do it well and successfully so thank you for what you're doing as well oh thank you thank you it's been lovely to have you on nikki it's been lovely to speak to you brenda thank you thanks for listening to scale her up the female entrepreneur's show Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcasts or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female and men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it and we're going to make a massive difference.